0: Hi, welcome to this week's Guerrilla Discipleship. My name's Kevin Baker. I get to be your host, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. Um, I'm going to share with you uh, a story out of Mark's gospel today. Uh, I'm going to read uh, read the story. It's a few Mark chapter five, a few verses long. It's a story that you're familiar with. It's a, uh, or you may be, maybe you're not, a story about... Um, uh, a, a demon-possessed man, and he's, he's, uh, it, it, you, it, the story is that when he sees Jesus, Jesus casts the demons out, and they go into pigs. So again, it's a story you probably have, um, have heard before, uh, read before, but let's just look at it with a fresh set of eyes today. So this is Mark chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New International Version. They went across the lake to the region of the uh, Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. It's amazing, right? Jesus is so powerful and so frightening to them, they're not sure what to do with them, and they, they ask him to leave. I mean, he's just demonstrated that one of the miraculous uh, powers of the kingdom that that Jesus can cast out demons, right? Set people free, but they don't want him around. But that's not the point of the story that I want, part of the story that I want to focus on. Look at the next few verses. This is verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I would too, right? I mean, oh my gosh, this man has for years been possessed out cutting himself and alienated. He he has just been touched by the Son of God. I don't want to not be away from this, this God who just set me free. Jesus didn't let him go. He said to him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, that's the, the Roman sort of 10 towns, uh, how much uh, Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question that I, I maybe haven't thought about before. How, I mean, that's like the opposite of what we would do today. Imagine an evangelist uh, or, or a, a person, a, a follower of Jesus going into a, a new town, finding a sick person there, healing them, the people in the town are, are afraid and upset and they ask the the ask you to leave but the person that's been healed wants you they want to be with you they want to leave with you i doubt i mean it feels like it, at least out of our american culture none of us would say no don't come we would say yeah sure come in fact we would count them as now someone that we could disciple right we would say oh you're a disciple and come and learn. And we would ask them to spend maybe a few months or even years learning about who Jesus is and and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Then we might say, now you're ready to go back to your hometown. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't allow the man to leave with him, but he sends the man back He sends the man back and says, you basically are now the guy that I'm going to use to tell the whole of your area about me. This is an, this guy's an unbeliever, right? I mean, as far as we know, all we know about this guy from the scripture here is that he's been healed by Jesus. That he certainly wants to stay with his healer. But Jesus says, no, you stay here. I mean, that is so counterintuitive to who we are, how we do ministry, that it begins to just rattle some things, right? And, and we, we, I, if you're really honest, it's hard to put your mind around that. One of the steps we've said, one of the sales that we, we uh, have talked about is we want to see groups start. And most of us, when I think, when I say to you that, you know, we're going to go out among lost people and we're going to see groups start you think, oh, I'm going to start a Bible study. Actually, that's not what we mean. It's okay for you to start a a Bible study, but by seeing groups start, what we're talking about is getting people who are spiritually interested to reading the Bible and to discover for themselves the God who's revealed there without us teaching them. I know, this is another hard piece for us who are already enculturated into the American church model, the Western church model to get our hands around. Wait a minute, they won't know how to understand the Bible. I've been in church my whole life. I barely know how to understand the Bible. Why would we say to people, study the Bible for yourself? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, Jesus did. And we have evidence across the world of God opening the doors to faith by allowing unbelievers, people who did not have any training, to discover who he is by just reading his word. In fact, the Bible says that it's a living and active word, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between bone and marrow. The Bible tells us that the word of God is always able to accomplish what it sets out to do, that it never returns back void. The Word of God is the inspired Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. Who's the best evangelist you know? Billy Graham, Louis Giglio, Francis Chan, maybe your own pastor. None of them are the best. The best evangelist the world will ever know is the Holy Spirit. In fact, we know this, unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and opens our hearts, we could be standing right in front of Jesus, like the men on the Emmaus Road after the crucifixion and resurrection, and we would still not see Jesus. We wouldn't know who he is. You see, the Holy Spirit is what's required. Now, those of us in the Protestant church, we actually say we believe in the priesthood of all believers, and we believe that the Bible is able to be read by everyone. But when you start asking questions about this and pushing into it, most of us, even in the Protestant church, begin to take on a little bit more of a Catholic spirit where we say, wait a minute, somebody needs to help them understand. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but can we, listen to this, can we invite people who are not yet believers to discover God by reading the Bible for themselves and simply asking some basic questions? The answer to that is yes. Yes, they can begin to understand God, the God who's revealing himself in this word by reading the Bible themselves. Can I tell you in our culture, one of the things that I'm noticing, especially with younger people, is that they're tired of being told what to think. They're tired of being told what to believe. They don't want to be preached at, but they are interested in discovering spiritual things. And so we are using and seeing great fruit from using something called the discovery Bible study method. The discovery Bible study method is not, is not something that requires any advanced training. In fact, the simplest person, uh, the, the, the person who's no, no exposure to the, the scriptures at all, an unbeliever could lead a discovery Bible study from the beginning out and God too could do amazing things through that. Here's the process. It's really just reading the scripture, reading it more than once, just making sure that we're absorbing it. In fact, if you want to, the, the, the four sort of questions, it, or the process goes like this. I'll just give you the process. It would be, take a, a passage of scripture, something that's short enough, a story like this story that I just read you from Mark's gospel, chapter five, and to, if let's say there were five people studying this, They're all non-believers, right? They just have decided to look at God's word, and they come to chapter 5 of Mark. Now, the discovery Bible study method would say this. Read the text twice. Two different people read it, and maybe different translations if you want. And then every person in the group would repeat back the story in their own words, trying to get, not interpret the story, but just trying to repeat back the story. So, for instance, just from my brief memory of what I read to you, I can tell you that the disciples were in a boat. They ended up uh, coming to the place of Gerasenes, and and they found that there was a demon-possessed man there, remember? And the demon-possessed man was was trying to get Jesus to go away. He was was afraid that Jesus was going to torture him. He actually said, you're the son of God. Don't torture me. Jesus had commanded the evil spirit come out. And when the man confronted him and said, Don't torture me, Jesus asked his name. And the man said, My name is Legion, for there are many of us. And then he begged Jesus again not to send them out, cast them out of this man out into another area. And they, they asked Jesus to send him, send them into the pigs. They went into the pigs. And the pigs immediately basically ran off the cliff and drowned. The people who were tending the the pigs went and told other people in the village nearby what had happened. And they all came out and they asked, they were afraid of this Jesus guy. And they asked Jesus to leave. And he did leave. He and the disciples left. But the man who had been possessed begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you stay here. Go back to your home and tell the people all that God has done for you. See, there's the story. I just repeated it back. I didn't get all the details right, but I now feel like I own that story. I know that story. I can talk about that story. And that's what you want to do. The first thing we want to do is help people to really not just hear the word, but to make sure that they're listening to the word. I've said this before, as as your wife or your husband ever said, were you just listening to me? And you said, yeah, sure, I'm listening to you. And they say something like this. Well, tell me what I just said. And you're like, "Um, uh," because it's possible for us to to listen, but not hear, or maybe to hear, but not listen. And so when we repeat the story back, it makes sure that we're absorbing the story, that the word of God, this is fact, you you should use this. We should all use this in our practice as we do our own devotionals, right? That we want to make sure that I understand what I just read. And to repeat parts of it back so that we can make sure. But that's it. That's the discovery Bible study method. Read it twice. Everybody around this circle, everybody in the group, um, basically goes back and says it in their own words, and then you ask four questions: What does this text say about God? What did we learn about God in the text? Right. Well, we learn that that uh, that Jesus is uh, is the was called by this this demon-possessed guy, the son of the Most High, that he has the power to cast out demons, right? We learn some things about God. What do we learn about people? Well, the people all came and saw this powerful event that occurred, and they were afraid. So one of the things we learn about people is that when we get to something that we can't explain that feels more powerful than us, we often are afraid. You see that throughout the scripture, don't you, right? Whenever God shows up. In powerful ways, people are afraid. We all want God to show up in our lives in powerful ways, but the reality is when God shows up, we're often afraid and we say, God, no, 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 no. We send God away. So what does this passage tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about people? And then the third question is is a critical one. If this story is true, if this really is the, the Bible is the word of God, what's one thing that I should do this week based on what I just read? What's one thing that I'll commit to doing? Now, that's going to be a different answer for every person because the Spirit of God is going to be speaking to each one of us in a different way. Maybe the, the Spirit of God's going to say to me as I read that passage that I've been afraid of God and I've been pushing him away and that I need to stop doing that. And I'm going to commit to not pushing God away in my life. Maybe I know that I need healing and I need to cry out to God for healing. And that's what I'm gonna to commit to do. Just one thing, just one obedience that would come out of that text. You see, God's at work here, right? That I've read the passage, I've begun to, to own it in the sense that I can repeat it back. I've asked myself, what does it tell me about God? What is revealed about God? I've asked, what does it reveal about people? Now I need to know what's one thing I should obey, one thing I can obey out of this text. And then the final question is, who could I share this with? And in that question, it's like, who needs to be reminded of the something today? Maybe somebody that I know of needs to be reminded of how powerful God is, that it would really bless them. Maybe they're struggling with something that feels like it's got a hold of them. It's got them in chains. They're like the, that, that demoniac. They're, they're, they're in chains. They're in bondage, and they're screaming and crying and looking for release. And maybe I need to remind them that there is a God who can set them free. I'm just going to share this story with them. Now, those four things are powerful. I, I don't need a teacher for that. I've read the Word itself. The Holy Spirit is beginning to help me if I'm genuinely seeking. I've I've discovered a little bit about God, a little bit about humanity, a little bit about myself. I've asked myself what's one thing I could obey because, by the way, discipleship is not information. Discipleship is obedience. Remember, that's what we're looking for. I'm going to continually grow as I continually obey what I discover in God's word and what God invites me to do. And I've also been obedient by sharing this story with one other person, because the teacher always learns more than the student. So as I'm repeating the word back and making sure that I hear the story and own the story and understand the story and heard the story, well, that sinks it into my heart. Now, as I pass it on to someone else, man, am I really getting the word of God into my heart. That is so much, this process is so much more powerful than a teacher just telling us what we're supposed to believe or what we're supposed to see. This way I get to discover God for myself. I get to discover God's word for myself. Now I'm not gonna always have the answer and that's why we do need people in our lives that we can, I may run into something that I'm confused by in the Bible. So I need, we've talked about this, ongoing coaching. That's where I get somebody who's a little farther than me in my my study of the word, someone who can help me understand God's word. Not by teaching me necessarily, but by helping me to find where other answers in God's word can be found so that I can begin to get a fuller understanding of what God has said to us throughout the whole of his word in the Bible. Can I tell you how powerful this is, even when a group of people who are not yet followers of Jesus begin to practice that, begin to practice that on their own without a teacher, just with someone who can check in with them and say, Uh, Hey, how did it go in your study this week? Imagine the multiplication that's possible if you and I were beginning not to lead studies everywhere, but beginning to see studies start, people getting around God's word, and we were their coach. I mean, we could coach several groups, maybe, because we could bring all of the, the people who are leading those groups, who are just facilitating those groups, we could bring them together in one meeting. I could have one meeting with five non-believers who are facilitating studies of God's word, discovery Bible studies in God's word. I could do what in one hour, what they're now doing in five hours. And look at the multiplication power for that. Here's the other thing. If you're a believer in a group of of, uh, people just trying to discover God's word, and you're the only person in there that's a believer, or you're the most educated, what do they do? Groups just naturally ask you, Hey what do you think? Tell us what this passage means, right? Spoon feed us. But we need to discover God's word for ourselves. We need to wrestle through how to read God's word. And I'll never learn how to read God's word if all I do is ever get told what God's word is supposed to mean to me. Young people now. Imagine this. You're 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 uh, I I'm, I'm 60. Imagine me getting together with some some 30-year-olds. Well, I have a different perspective and my presence in their friend group is gonna add a different component to them studying the Bible if I'm not there. If I'm not there, their naturally trust level with each other is different and their conversation level with each other is different. They're gonna come at this Bible text differently than they would with me sitting in the room where they feel like maybe they have to perform for me or have the right answers for me. And so what God's inviting us to do is study the word ourselves as followers of Jesus. Of course, this is, I love his word and his word speaks to me and it's lamp to my feet. But we can get non-believers studying the word and we'll coach them. That's what it means to see groups start. I know for most of us, that is so different that we've been trained to always have a Bible study leader who can make sure that we are interpreting right, who can teach us, or we're gonna use a video series But there's no video series nor any teacher that's as powerful as the Word of God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's set the Word of God free. Let's get the Word of God into the hands of unbelievers so that they can discover for themselves the power of this God who wants them to know Him. God wants them to know how much He loves them. That's why He recorded this down in the Word, right? In fact, the end of John's gospel, when John says why he even wrote the gospel, he says that he wrote it so that we may believe, right? That's amazing that we would believe. And so the Bible is there as a witness for us by God's own hand, right? Writing through those individuals that he inspired to record down. And so let's let the Bible become the instrument of power and, and usefulness that God wants, And I know this feels risky. Everything in you, if you've been in the church and the Western church, everything in you is saying, this seems so risky. Man, is this possible? Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. And so we're going to keep talking about this, how to see these groups start uh, again. And if you want to start a group with uh, maybe maybe, uh, what you could do, maybe there are people around you that you, maybe it's a family, your family members. And And you want to get them started. Just go through it once with them and say, here's how I can do it. Here's how you do it. I'll do it with you one time. You lead it one time, no more than twice, because if you lead it more than twice, they're going to want you to always lead it. Just show them the process. Remember, it's reading the Bible, whatever passage, twice. It's repeating it back. Everybody repeating it back in their own words so that we can make sure everybody is beginning to allow the word of God to be absorbed in their own hearts and minds. And then it's asking four questions. What does this tell me about God? What does this story tell me about people? What's one thing I'll do based on what I read in this Bible today? And who can I share this with? If we can begin to trust that God's going to use this, this expansion, this multiplication of groups beginning to to help others begin to follow Jesus and come to love him the way we do. Oh, my goodness, what will happen in our families, in our workplaces, and in our communities, that the church will become truly an army of disciple makers, and the world will see transformation, and the King of glory will be praised throughout our land. I I, I don't believe I'm exaggerating what God might do. Let's do this together. Let's begin to pray about how God might use us, not to invite people to our studies necessarily, but to show them how to discover God himself through his own word. Let's do this together. Hey, again, I'm so grateful that you are continuing with us in Guerrilla Discipleship. Uh, We're taking this one step at a time. And so uh, if you haven't gone out among any lost people this uh, last week, if you didn't start any spiritual conversations, continue to push into that. Start one spiritual conversation or, or make it your goal to have one spiritual conversation this week to see what God might do and watch what God will do to use you in his kingdom building. Hey, thanks again for being a part of uh, Guerrilla Discipleship. We love that uh, we get to spend some time together, and we'll see you again next week.